Hey, welcome to the Thriving Minds Podcast with your host, Walter Parada, where we strive to provide you with empowering talks so you can live to thrive. And today, we have a very special guest joining us. You all have probably experienced their presence sometime in your life. Please welcome my great friend, Failure. Thank you, Walter, for having me here and letting me share a part of what I do for people. Of course, we're very happy to have you here. So please, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, most people know me as showing up in people's lives as being unsuccessful, that they've fallen short of the goal that they were striving for, and I do have an effect on people to view me as something that should be avoided, because when people come to experience failure, they tend to feel deflated, disappointment, frustrated, and sometimes feeling not good enough, which is understandable. That their time and energy was spent trying to achieve a certain outcome, and they didn't get it, so they might feel that their time was wasted. And if people come to view me as something painful that needs to be avoided, they'll be more hesitant to take any action that's going to prevent them from making progress in their life. And in extreme cases, they might live their life to avoid me. But I'm here today to clarify some misconceptions about how people view me, interpret me, and experience me. So I know, because my name starts with the letter F, we tend to think about when we're in school, when you get an F, that means you failed, You got the lowest possible grade, and for some that F is more painful than an incomplete, because an incomplete at least gives you the indication that you didn't even put your best effort. So, they want to show their teachers, their peers and their parents that they are not failures, because if they do, then they'll start to see themselves in not such a great light, and if they see you that way then you'll start to see yourself that way as well. And this can negatively affect people's confidence within themselves. What I want people to know about me is that I come into people's lives as a learning opportunity to understand how they could have done things better in their execution, their strategy, their preparation, but also so they can learn how to better handle their emotions. My goal is not to put you down, to make you feel bad about yourself, but my intention is for you to recognize those areas that you fell short so you can understand how to correct it, be stronger, and ultimately be better from it. And yes, I understand that the immediate reaction to when I come is that I sting. I want people to see failure, myself, as a stepping stone that gets you across uncharted waters. Wow, that's such an interesting way to look at you because I can remember when I was younger, I would see failure as something really that I needed to avoid. And a lot of the times I think that I just was not prepared to handle you when you arrived. I know for sure I wish I was a little bit more aware of your intentions a lot sooner. Only now I'm starting to realize this. So tell us, why do most people not know that you're trying to help us? Well, it all comes down to just how people have been conditioned. And it shows really in everything that they do, whether it's in school, the workplace, in sports, or society in general. Each of these areas of people's lives have a standard or a goal that they're continuously striving for. And when they fall short of it, the natural tendency is to say, I failed, I came up short. And for the most part, it's been oversimplified, making it black or white, pass or fail that there is no room in between to see the growth and the progress that people have made. So, let's take a look at sports for example. This is such a great reference to draw from that most people are fixated on their own team, which is understandable. And if they don't win the ultimate game, which is usually their championship, that their season is seen as a failure. What gets lost throughout the season is that it's filled with highs and lows of the emotions that they experience and people become too focused on just the end result 
and not the journey along the way. So, what happens throughout the season is actually a lot of great growth in periods that occur in different points, but because it tends to not be emphasized it largely goes unnoticed. The way certain players might struggle early on in the season and later pick up their performance because suddenly things clicked for them or that they were making gradual progress early on, and it snowballed into results that propelled them forward. Or the way that the team builds that chemistry that allows them to play for each other that translates into the tangible things like more wins. This is what need to get emphasized because it is what leads to results. The consistent best effort each time is what largely goes unnoticed. This is the key to making things work. The glitz and the glamour are what people gravitate towards because it makes other people notice them. So, in essence, people have been conditioned for the things that get them attention. All humans need to have attention because it makes them feel heard and wanted, but in this case, it goes at the expense of who you are to what can you do for everybody else. Many people want to only see the show, but they don't want to see all the behind-the-scenes work that it takes to make it happen. Well, what about those people who say it's all about the results because that's what drives us to do anything, that... If the team is not winning, then players and coaches deserve to get fired. Or if you're not meeting expectations at the job you're doing, then you're going to get replaced with somebody who can do it. The result of this is that people are further being conditioned to focus on the outward appearance, to show how strong and successful they are at what they do. And this can lead into the mentality of winning at all costs, where you'll do whatever it takes to win to be successful, and it can compromise the values that you ultimately hold. The more people come to focus on that outward appearance, the more they lose sight of their inward selves, and they live more to appease others than to satisfy their own selves. People who live like this might sacrifice their happiness and their enjoyment of life simply to meet the expectations of others. A great example is there are many people who are good at something and they do it mainly because of that, even if they do not enjoy it. That they would rather suffer in silence than risk doing something they longed for, because there is the uncertainty that it may experience me. But there is also the situation where the threat of being replaced, if you don't meet those expectations just further ingrains that survival instinct within people that stimulates them way more by what is negative and this causes people to look for what can go wrong and forget about it all the positive things around them. And in some cases, the threat of being replaced by not meeting expectations comes from expectations that are monumental and even outrageous for the time they are given. If you do happen to be replaced for not meeting ridiculous expectations, then failure in the eyes of the people who replaced you is probably going to benefit you because it's going to help you move on to something better. You got to ask yourself, do you really want to be in an environment that does not value your growth? Sometimes failure is doing you a favor by getting you into a better position. I am there to bring you a different perspective that not all is lost. While something like a forest fire might be seen as a bad event, the results of a fire is it clears large vegetation that allows for new life to begin and thrive, which they would have a hard time establishing with large vegetation overshadowing them. So tell us, how can we condition ourselves to be able to value growth that we all make even if we fail to meet the expectations that we have of ourselves? Because there are times where we do fall short of what we're trying to achieve and it can prove costly, especially in the world of business, where it is about the bottom line, 
that you got to generate revenue that keeps your business going? Great question. Because there are going to be times where, when I present myself, it can prove very crucial to a business operating. So many people's natural reaction to a situation where it can affect the business to the point of whether they exist or not is one of fear. But in a moment like this, the people involved will need to look inward to really see where they came up short. Why did they come up short, and what can be done in that moment to correct the situation or at least minimize it? Once people can start to do that, it in a way takes some of that shock that they may experience when I come visit for this teaching moment. Then after that, people need to start looking at how did they grow from that situation, and maybe it's not the point that led to them falling short, but it's how they chose to respond to that situation. Because there's actually great growth that comes from how you choose to bounce back from failure. If you look at people like Henry Hines, who had a failed business that almost landed him in jail because of the debt that he owed, he was able to bounce back from that to start up Hines Company that sold ketchup on a massive scale. But ultimately, to condition people to value growth, start to embrace me from a young age, and this is going to have to come from parents, mentors, and those that influence those young minds. That failure is a part of the process that leads to success. That when you experience failure, it is actually a learning opportunity on the things you need to do better. People need to see me as a fluid state. That it does not mean it's final or that it's fatal. You always can bounce back from me by choosing to rise up to the challenge. That is a very empowering way to look at failure. What about those that deflect or blame others for when you do make an appearance? Why do they do that, and how can they overcome that uneasy feeling? That you give them to accept responsibility. It comes down to the person being defensive, so they don't feel bad about themselves, but they haven't developed a way to effectively process taking responsibilities for their actions. And maybe this comes from somebody being really harsh on them, so there's a constant need to gain somebody's approval to prove to them that they are worthy. And the people that are harsh on them can affect and erode their confidence, so they haven't developed enough belief within themselves that if they accept the responsibilities, that a solution will be figured out and they'll still be fine. So effectively, their confidence or self-worth is not yet strong enough to handle a blow like that. It's not necessarily when I arrive of them experiencing failure. What's scarier is the repercussions from the people that they essentially report to, or that they hold in high regard, that make them feel bad or belittled. And usually, this comes from somebody before them that treated them in that manner, and somebody before them did the same thing, showing that behavior, which is just continuously being passed down from one generation to another, and it is difficult to break out of that cycle if you don't see it from the outside. Somewhere along the line, those people that would be harsh on others never properly learned how to effectively build people up, develop them to the point where they take accountability for themselves. The emotions of frustration and anger would just lead the way on how they treated people, and people do learn a lot by the behaviors that they see, and the more that they see it, the more they'll tend to emulate it. That eventually become habits. So people in situations like this learn to respond to fear instead of respect and love. Now the person who is deflecting blame and not taking responsibilities, it can be very difficult for them to overcome this without first them recognizing how they were treated that affected their psyche. When a person can only see things from their point of view, it's going to be hard for them to recognize that cycle that they're in. But they can do it simply through looking inwardly and just self-reflecting on their experiences. 
They're going to need to evaluate the authority figures in their lives and see how they treated them. Hopefully they'll recognize that those behaviors affected them. Once they're able to do that, then they're going to need help from others. Other people will need to show that support and loving environment to build their confidence up that gives them the room to make mistakes and fail and fall on their face while still being accepted by them. This will give them the motivation to operate with greater conviction and understanding that the more confidence that they have, the more they have to accept the responsibilities for the actions that they take. That makes total sense. I'm just blown away by all this insightful information that I and hopefully others can use to better ourselves. But what about those people who are having a difficult time finding an environment like this? What can they do to see you failure as a friend? Well, they're just going to have to find an environment that fosters that type of thinking, and it doesn't have to be a physical one. With the power and accessibility of the internet, things are just so much more at people's disposals than ever before. The things that they can do to see me as a friend is to rewire that self-talk that reminds that failure is just a part of the process. It is a learning opportunity to see where you came up short. It's an opportunity for figuring things out that is going to be beneficial later on. If you look at extremely high achievers like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, these are all people that experienced failure early on, and they all responded very well. But what they had in common was a very loving and supporting environment, and it helped them be strong. When Michael Jordan did not make the varsity high school basketball team, he came home crying and upset that he didn't make the team, and his mom just comforted him, cried along with him, and told him it's okay, that he'll bounce back from this if he is willing to work hard for it. And he immediately did, always practicing. This fueled him to get better. Kobe Bryant in a summer basketball league when he was about 10 or 11 years old did not make one single shot and his father just comforted him telling him it doesn't matter if he scored a single point that he still loved him no matter what. He got to practicing right away being very vigilant in doing the little things better and this set the foundation for his work ethic. Tom Brady was replaced in college several times by a more talented teammate even though Tom performed better and under clutch situations. He also waited for his name to be called on draft day, watching in agony, not knowing if he would be selected. Both his parents were by his side to console him and just be there to support him in his time of need. And when Tom got to training camp, he went up to Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, and said, I'm Tom Brady, and I'm the best decision you ever made. What they all had was loving and supportive parents that helped them in a time that was crucial for the path that they each took. You would be surprised how many people do not have this type of support that affect how they go about their lives. One thing I want to clarify a good support system is there to care for you in your times of need and is not the same as trying to fix things for you. Ultimately, it is up to the person who is going through the hardships do something about it. Very good points. When a support system like this is available to us, it helps us to know that we're cared for in the right manner. While many of us are cared for, there are times when people do not know how to show it effectively or at all. Some people think that merely by being present that that's enough. What are some characteristics that's going to help people better handle when they experience you? For sure the characteristic people will need is the ability to respond effectively. 
and I want to clarify the difference between a reaction and a response. A reaction is what you instinctively do without having to think about it. So, in a case where you experience failure, the reaction tends to be that of anger, frustration, disappointment, and possibly even depression. This can lead you to making bad decisions. That's going to have a ripple effect. Whereas a response is a well thought out way to act that aligns with your values, that serves you well in the long term. Responding effectively starts by being aware of some of your destructive behaviors that can lead into negative events, and recognizing what triggers these behaviors. Once you're able to do that, then you can find ways on how to manage yourself from getting into that reaction mode. It is not other people's obligation to tiptoe around your triggers, so you're going to have to find ways to regulate yourself. Getting angry doesn't warrant you lashing out at somebody, but you can use that emotion to find a way to convey that in a way that gets your point across. It can be done in a very respectable and calm way that will further yourself for the better. Being persistent is another characteristic that's going to help you handle failure. Being able just to try and try again over in the face of things not working out, sticking with it is going to be key, so you can continuously push yourself. There's a tendency for many people that when things do not come easy to them, that that's a sign they should move on to something else. That if they're not naturally good at it, why bother? This behavior will only limit you from exploring the great things that could be. Many times, all it takes is enough consistent effort to break through and experience the satisfaction of progress that comes from pushing past your current boundaries. That gives you greater confidence to operate in a bigger circle. The more effort you put through, the greater your circle becomes of all the things that you can do. Resiliency is another one where instead of drowning in misery and feeling sorry for yourself, the ability to bounce back from that setback that you experience is going to help you continuously take action. This is especially going to be helpful in the times where you experience a big letdown or extreme disappointment. It can feel really deflating when you have high expectations of what you're about to accomplish, only for it to be missed out on. The more resiliency you have, the better it'll keep you in check to get you off of just lying there and doing something about it. All these things will lead to you developing that effort and grit that is what's going to eventually produce those results that you were striving for. These characteristics will just build upon itself. That will make you better at everything you do. It's knowing you did not achieve what you wanted to, but no big deal because you're too busy getting better to be distracted by missed opportunities. That the past cannot be changed, but you have the wherewithal to do something about it right now that will determine the outcome in the future. These are your intangible things that cannot be physically seen or held, but you must recognize that they are growing and developing. Unlike when you work out. You can see the transformation in your muscles. Remain vigilant in keeping these characteristics at peak performance. It doesn't matter how big your biceps or your glutes are if your inner self is falling apart. The inner part of you is the core for the desire you have in those tough times. Persistence is a big one for me because while all the energy and passion can fuel me to go at something difficult, it is hard to keep that up alone. Life really is a marathon, and it becomes tiring at times. So the more I can develop my persistence, the more I'm able to see things through. How will embracing you impact a person's life? I love this question because I am not this big, scary thing that you should avoid. When you decide to embrace failure, the way you view the world will change completely. That transforms your life. 
A world of opportunity will just open up all around you that's going to invigorate you to truly enjoy life and the journey along the way. You will no longer be bound by limitations, but you will be continuously pushing yourself to do more and be more and each time I arrive you will use me to further yourself. I'm just there to remind you of things that you need to refine before you take on bigger things that entail more responsibility. I want you to fail early to get a lot of the kinks out before you have more to lose. It will help develop the hunger and resourcefulness inside you. The quicker you come to embrace my presence, the better acclimated you become to the struggles that will come your way. And make no mistake about it, struggle will always be present, but that is the foundation for growth. You condition yourself to what is difficult and that keeps you in the mental frame of mind to bring it on. The harder it is the more energy you'll have to go at it. And the times when you're able to do things with such ease, you become bored and unsatisfied that makes you restless, and you'll continuously challenge yourself pushing your boundaries that it transforms you into so much more. Eventually, you'll come to enjoy everything that goes along with growth that you crave it to the point where it is not all about reaching your goals. Goals will still be present, but they'll be seen more as a milestone along the way. If you think about a roller coaster ride, is the whole purpose of the ride to reach the end or is it all about enjoying everything from the anticipation of what you're about to experience to the whole ride along the way? It is further empowering yourself to live life on your terms. That you do things simply because it is what you desire and not what others expect of you. In a nutshell, you live free to reach new heights that is going to improve how well you experience life. For those of us who have a difficult time when you first arrive, what can we do to not get too down on ourselves or too mad at what happens so we can see what's going on? First, develop your self-talk to remind yourself that failure is inevitable. And when I arrive, tell yourself remain composed because it will let you better handle the things that are going on and will help process what happened. Many times, the shock factor people experience can be too much for them and they'll tend to overreact that causes a trauma-like experience. When this happens, people will be more likely to avoid that type of experience. If you look at people who serve in a dangerous line of work like a SWAT team member, they are trained to remain calm in dangerous situations like if they suffer a bullet wound. They have gone over situations like that to evaluate themselves the situation, and what they can do to minimize further damage to themselves, those around them, and effectively communicate for help. If someone who has not been trained to handle a bullet wound, their reaction will tend to be that of intense panic that can cause wasted time and movement that can prove crucial in a dire situation. So, in a case like this, you can effectively act instead of dwelling on things. Second, you just got to experience handling failure until the initial reaction of discomfort wears off. Remember, I arrived to point out things you need to pay attention to, so just continue to remind yourself of that. And the third thing is the people around you. Many times, the people around you magnify when I come about. Most people's reaction is to be a spectator of what they see as an embarrassment, so be on the offensive and talk openly about failures and the benefits of them. Share your failures and how they helped you. This conditions others to not run away when I arrive, but to meet and greet for a teaching moment. Being willing to share what others might see as embarrassing takes away the stigma, and they will eventually be more willing to be seen with their flaws. And flaws are a great thing to embrace because it allows people to better connect. 
I know many people that have formed great relationships through sharing similar flaws that no longer made them feel alone, almost as if finding someone to talk with about certain things they understood gave them the ability to breathe because they felt like they were drowning with no one there to help. There was this one mother who had a daughter that struggled quite a bit in school and many people in her social circle knew about what the daughter was going through, so there was a bit of a preconceived notion that the daughter was not smart. But years later, one of the mothers in that same social circle had a child who had similar struggles in school and confined with the mother of the daughter who previously had been through it. She was able to draw strength from someone who had been through it and did not see it as a bad situation, but as a learning opportunity to accept their child for who they are and not what they should be. I hope people come to understand that everyone is unique in their own way and there shouldn't be the need to try to constantly fit in or conform. Being different is not a bad thing, it's just what distinguishes you from the next person. So people on an individual basis need to find what works for them. This has been such an incredible talk with you as you've given us such profound sense of enlightenment to see things in a whole new way. Only recently I started to embrace you so I can learn and grow. I'm sure many people will now come to see you as an ally. What would you like to leave us with so we can be better for it? I just want everybody to know that I'm here by your side as a coach. While at times you may view me in a disdainful way, just know that I want to better you through helping you realize the mistakes and the areas of improvement that you need to work on. My purpose is not to put you down, but to build you up, and sometimes I'll do that by knocking down your ego so it's not so much tearing you down, but trying to prevent your ego from thinking you know it all. Your ego is a persona that draws energy from the outside that clouds you from focusing on what is really important. It is dependent on external factors outside of your control that constantly needs validation. Your confidence is self-assurance that arises from within yourself. It is independent from others that allows you to operate with conviction. Sometimes people can be the biggest threat to themselves because they do not realize what they don't know that gets them hurt, and I'm just there to remind them of things they need to pay attention to so they can succeed at whatever they choose to do. Where you are now, at this point in time of your life, is not the final stage unless if that's what you choose for yourself. If you want more of yourself and out of life, I will be there present to uplift you into the next phase that you're working towards. The better you embrace me, the better you will receive objective information as opposed to defending yourself against it. It's willing to sit there and be able to handle some of the uncomfortable truths about yourself. This will truly help you break free from the grips of your ego that moves you from trying to appear to be right to simply wanting to know more and be better. I want to sincerely thank our special guest, Failure, for taking the time to speak with us so we can better understand the purpose you serve for us. I'm just truly grateful for the wisdom that you bestowed upon me and hopefully everyone else. I know we all can put this great information into our daily lives. We're going to have our first monthly meeting for Thriving Minds members and anyone who's interested in becoming a member on April 21st to have open discussions about topics like this. Register for the monthly meeting on Eventbrite and search Thriving Minds. I hope you all enjoy this podcast. If you're interested in more topics like this, check out thrivingminds.live and join today to become a member. All right, until next time.